0: You can just follow along the lines on the screen if you want. So uh, scripture comes from Ephesians 3 14 21 from the NIV version. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from who every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that I pray that out of his glorious righteousness may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your in your being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep in the love of Christ. And to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who who is able to do immeasurable more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. May God's word shape us and form us. Amen.
1: Thank you, Magdiel. God is good. All, All time. the time. That is good. God is good. All, All time. the time. All the time. God
0: is good. I don't know about
1: you, but I'm really excited this morning. I'm excited because I've been having a blast preaching out of Ephesians. And uh, I've done Ephesians. I've preached Ephesians once before, maybe a, four or five years ago. Uh, but it never felt like this. And I think it's because I've been really in the text. And there are new things that are coming up every week and every day, and it's just like a kid in a candy store, right? Here's a new candy, or like a kid at Halloween. Um, and so I have a sweet tooth on the scripture, and so I'm really excited uh, to uh, bring the word to you. Um, and this week, we're going to be talking about family. Everyone say family. Yeah. Family. right? We are a family, a family of God. We are each of us have been a part of a family. Maybe our families are dysfunctional, or maybe they're not good families. Or Maybe we come from great a great family background. Maybe we have huge, large families, or maybe the families that we come from are small, or just a nuclear family. Uh, whatever your experience of family, um, Paul has a word to say about the family of God the household of God. And he's been building up to this. We're halfway through Ephesians. And as I mentioned earlier in the first week of Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 1, chapters 1, 2, and 3 are basically the foundation. Paul is laying a foundation for the church. Or some people say the doctrine of the church. What our identity as the church is all about. And our identity is founded in Christ Empowered by the Holy Spirit and planned out by God in the generations. But there's more to it. And I'm going to give a a little bit of a, I've been debating this, but I think I'll do it. A little bit of a recap. You guys ready for a recap? The fastest recap? Two minutes of recap. So let's go back to the big idea of Ephesians. What is the big idea of Ephesians? God is bringing... The reconciliation and restoration of creation in Christ. And God is doing this with us. Let me say that again. God is bringing the reconciliation and restoration of all creation in Christ. And God is doing that with us. The church, us, is an agent of restoration and reconciliation in the world as she is rooted in the foundation of Christ, amen? And in chapter 1, we remember Paul saying, you have adoption. You've been adopted as sons and daughters of God. And because of this, in Christ, we have some legitimate, legit spiritual goodies. What are these gifts, these presents that we get as inheritors from Christ? I'll name three. One, in Christ, we have adoption. We are all adopted sons and daughters in Christ. Two, in Christ we have redemption from lives of death. You were once dead, right? But now you have life. You have, you've been redeemed and saved from a life of sin. Three, in Christ we have been sealed in the Holy Spirit who empowers us. Adoption, redemption, sealing. Sealed and empowered. The Holy Spirit has given us as is our down payment. Right? He's our real, t- she's our real time power, the Holy Spirit in us. Um, also a part of chapter 1 is that we have access to the overwhelming greatness of God's power that is working among us believers. As adopted sons and daughters, we have access to an overwhelming power. That's amazing if you think about it. On to chapter 2, chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, the first half. It's about vertical reconciliation. The people of God being reconciled with God in the vertical sense. We are made alive to do good, right? How does Paul start it off? You were once dead in your transgressions, but God, in his goodness and mercy, saved you. He saved you and made you alive. And at the end of that section, it says, you were made alive to do good. Verse, chapter 10, verse 10. Chapter 2, verse 10. Instead, we are God's accomplishment, created in Christ Jesus, what? To do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way we live our lives. We were dead. He made us alive so that we can do good things. Amen. Life. Then the second half of chapter two switches from the vertical to the horizontal. Horizontal reconciliation and specifically the reconciliation between uh, Jews and Gentiles in the uh, church at Ephesus. right? And we remember that Paul mentions that Christ is our peace and breaks down the barriers of hostility. And remember I showed you the temple structure and kind of like the divisions that were set up and actual walls that kept Gentiles to the outside of the temple. And there were rocks that said, if any Gentiles pass this point, that's punishable by death. So there were actually walls of hostility that separated people from having access. And these walls were based on cultural, culture, race, right, and physical appearance. So that's one, Christ is our peace and breaks down the barriers of hostility. Two, those that are far are brought near. The Jews and Gentiles are brought together as one body. Remember, near, far, (laughs) near, far, right? The Jewish people were near because they were the historical people of God. But here are the Gentiles, Paul being an apostle to the Gentiles, very excited about this new group of people coming into the faith, and he's saying they were far, but God, Christ, is bringing them near, and actually, God is creating a new humanity, right? A new church, a new com- a temple, and bringing the two into one household. The third part, uh, of the second part of chapter two is God is bringing together a reconciled people under God's new household. Um, and this new household is subverting the household of the empire, right? The people are being built up in Christ as a living temple. And remember the uh, the, root, the Greek root oikos, which means household, as a play on the household of Caesar, or kind of in the Roman culture household, uh, was the way that the society was structured. And Caesar was actually the head of the whole household. And so God is saying the church actually is a reconciled household, my household. And that's over and against Caesar's household, or the household of the world. Are you with me?
0: Yeah.
1: Last week, we were in the beginning of chapter 3, and it's about the great mystery, right? And we talk about, for us in English, mystery is like this unattainable, unknowable, you know, in a cloud, mystery. I can my wife is a mystery, I'll never fully know her, right? I'll never fully know what's going on in our head and you can't know something. But for Paul, mystery is actually a revelation from God, right, and it's actually very clear. What was not known before has been made to known to me through revelation from God. And this mystery is that God is creating a new humanity and making the two one and that Gentiles now have access to the faith, now are grafted in, are brought in and made citizens of the nation of God, essentially. And that's the mystery, that now from this point forward, the church, ministry, everything's going to look differently. We're opening up the gates. We're fling wide the heavenly gates. The temple veil is being torn. God is opening us up for the whole world. And this is my call. My call, Paul is saying, is to this mystery. And that's the call of the gospel. Um, so he's saying about the mystery. Through the gospel, the Gentiles and heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Verse 9, God who created all things. This is key. God who created all things. What Paul is doing when he uses this phrase is bringing the redemption of humanity and the restoration uh, of creation together. Does that make sense? Right? So if God is res- restoring all things, all created things, and we are here about talking about salvation of people, of individuals, he's bringing that salvation story and making it one and the same as the redemption of all creation. So this new humanity, this new church, is about God's work of redemption in the world. Redemption of individual souls, right? Being saved, but also the restoration of creation. Amen? Of of the order, of the goodness that God created. So I'm going to show, I think that's... Oh, one more thing in that chapter was, uh, in verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10, his intent was that now... Through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And I wrote wrote something on Facebook, and I didn't say it last week, but this word manifold in the Greek actually means uh, multicolored, right? And in the LXX, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, uh, that same word manifold is used in the story where Jacob gives Joseph, right, the coat of many colors, right? And that same word is uh, manifold, right? So through, let's let's read that again. His intent was that now through the church, the multicolored, the mosaic, the many-colored coat, right, wisdom of God should be made known to rulers and authorities, in the heavenly realms. The whole fact that the church is now reconciled many cultures and ethnicities and international community is now going to be formed, that actually is a witness of God's multicolored wisdom wow. to the heavens and to the earth. Amen?
0: Amen. Woo! <laughs>
1: I get excited about this stuff. Right. Woo. So I'm going to show you guys a video that might sum up you're, if you were to ask, what does Renew believe about salvation or evangelism? What's the, like, you know, if you're a part of Campus Crusade or, like, you had the uh, for I don't know what they have, or whatever, like, you yeah, had the bridge diagram to talk about evangelism. Like, how do you talk about salvation? What is the church here for? What What is the gospel about? I think this sums it up in a nutshell. This was a YouTube video. It's actually put together in like 2004 by my friend who was on staff at the Dinner Varsity, James Chung, and it's called The Big Story. And this is just part one of The Big Story, but we'll take a look at it, hopefully there's
2: no Tell me what the world's like. When you turn up the news, what do you see? Between all the violence and war and terrorism and the AIDS pandemic and global warming, we've got to say our world's pretty messed up. What's interesting is how we feel about that. Uh, none of us think that that's a great thing. All of us long for a better world. Well, isn't that interesting? Because uh, hunger seems to point to the fact that food exists, and thirst points to the fact that water or drink exists. So our longing and aching for a better world seems to point to the fact that either a better world did exist over one day exist. Well, in the Christian worldview, we believe it did. And that uh, back in the day, uh, God designed it so that the planet took care of us and we took care of it. And we took care of each other. And God took care of us and we blessed him back. And that the whole thing was designed for good. So how did we get here? Well, we decided that we were going to run the show and when we started chasing our own needs above caring for other people or the planet, we started damaging the planet, we started damaging our relationship with each other, and ultimately we damaged our relationship with God so that the whole thing was damaged by evil. Well, it's great that God actually loves the planet and us too much to leave us that way, so even in our brokenness, In the Christian worldview, 2,000 years ago, God came as Jesus. And in that, he started to teach us a better way to live. And began to tell us about this thing called the reign of God, where all the good things are supposed to happen actually do. And so he taught us, and in his death, all this crap died with him so that three days later, when he came back to life, there's new life possible throughout everything, throughout the planet, in us, and with each other. And so everything is being restored for better. Well, then what's our response? Well, in this world, that's so messed up.
0: <coughs>
2: Jesus is starting a revolution and he's asking us to be healed ourselves in Jesus' name, to be healed in each other, and to go out and heal the planet, and that our mission is to be sent together to heal. Now, how come I can't just jump from here to here? This sounds great are infinite, and we're going to get overwhelmed trying to take care of this on our own. We actually need Jesus' resources so that we can become the kind of good that we want to see on the planet, and that's crucial. So where are you? Are you here where you think the world is peachy, or here, overwhelmed by the world's problems, or are you here, you got some sense of God working in your life, but not involved in his mission, or are you here, you're trying to actually make this world a better place, relationships, and you, and everything, but have a hard time finding how the picture. Where are you? Right. Uh, the video wasn't there, but if
1: you can imagine, it's just his hand drawing pictures on the fly, and it's quadrants, right, four quadrants, and he's drawing circles and explaining this. Uh, but I really like it because I think it captures what Paul is talking about. He's not just talking about an individualized, privatized salvation, right? Because how can you have reconciliation with yourself? Right? You need other people to be reconciled. How can you restore your relationship with others, your relationship with the earth, um, unless it's manifest, right? Unless it's multicolored, multifaceted. And so it's a community thing as well. We're doing this, and this is what he's talking about. Together as the church, we are agents of restoration in the world. Basically. And that's what renew is about. We're renewed by God for the renewal of our neighborhoods. There's that sense that as God is renewing us and restoring us and healing us as individuals and as a community, we can't help but be sent in that mission, God's mission of restoration and renewal in the world around us. And so that's what it's about, amen? So that's the recap. Now let's get back to family. What are your family roots? Who are your people? Where do you come from? What is your story? So we're gonna take just uh, one minute, quickly, to share. Uh, what, if someone asks you, what is your what is your background? What is your what are your family roots? Tell them that story in one minute. So my, now I get to talk about myself. <laughs> so my family roots, if I were to sit down with you and talk about where do I come from, who are my people, what's my story, uh, I would say I would start with, uh, a, I was a, it was all a sparkle in my father's eye. <laughs> I'm a second generation Korean American. My parents immigrated to the U.S. in 1973 my, when my brother was one. I was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. I was born a twin, my twin was named Jonathan, and he died in infancy. Though I did not know him, I knew him in the womb as we were clutching each other for comfort, his palm on my cheek. I've always had a deep sense of something missing or someone missing in my life. It has driven me to search for intimacy and to seek that something in others. It has driven my pursuit of Jesus. Being bicultural in an immigrant home was shaped, has shaped me in many ways. The identity switch um, that I had to do to negotiate the world out there versus uh, the world at home, um, and then what some people call the triple consciousness, right? It's uh, my co- Korean American, my Korean heritage at home, and then you know the American kind of identity out there. Um, but then there's another like Korean American identity uh, or Asian American identity. And that's why maybe Chinese American, a Japanese American, and Korean American, though they're totally different cultures and backgrounds, can be lumped together and find solace in one another because it's a triple consciousness. Our difference is similar enough for us to want to be together. Um, It also affects the intimacy, thing, being that that switch, that back cultural switch. What does it mean to grow up, to have grown up with a mother who who still wrestles to speak English as many years as we've been here and stayed at home um, and, and never worked? Um, what does it mean to have an amazingly gifted father who always felt trapped and limited in the states and so, sometimes only had anger to communicate a deep sense of powerlessness. Moving around a lot has also shaped me. I was born in Hawaii, we lived in Samoa, then we moved to LA, and my golden years, right, of elementary school was in Texas. Um, I, I could actually have a southern accent and be wearing cowboy boots right now, which is weird to think. Then we moved to Georgia, where we often lived in poverty, Uh, My friends were mostly black, um, and also a a boy from India named El. I was a huge Atlanta Hawks and Georgia Bulldogs fan. It was like, inconceivable. (laughs) Then we moved to Seattle, and I fell in love. It is my home now. It's a place that shapes my thinking through its geography and its industry. In one prayer time, a college mentor, heard the word image chameleon for me Mm -hmm. in a healing prayer time. Um, And that kinda came out of the the moving around a lot and being able to adjust and adapt to different situations. But part of that, that brokenness was also my gift, right? The brokenness was being able to change based on my environment, but never feeling like I was at home or never knowing who I was. Uh, But the gift is being able to relate to many different kinds of people uh, with different backgrounds. Um, But it also, this chameleon aspect also affects the intimacy thing. We all have our stories, we all have our family roots, but as you get older or introduced to new environments, you change, your worldview expands, hopefully, Hopefully you evolve evolve, and you release uh, how limited your background is. If you live in fear of the unknown or the other, you may cling ever more tightly to your roots and become mired in rigid prejudice and tribalistic ways of thinking. Um, But who we are now um, and our roots, who who we are and our roots affect how we relate to friends Left loved ones, spouses, future spouses, um, who have completely different backgrounds of their own and lenses for experiencing the world. Um, But Paul is just wrapped up telling us of the great mystery of God, God's amazing beta testing plan, that God is making Jews and Gentiles one family and creating a new humanity, a new multicultural community, of the in the church to reveal his own glory through jesus christ and it's he stops right what does he say for this reason i kneel before the father and this passage is actually an intercessory prayer and i feel like paul is so excited about everything that he's laying out about the identity of these this new people about the identity of the church that he stops Right now, I'm so excited and I love you so much and I'm so excited of the implications of this new reality that we are all family that I'm going to kneel before our Father right now and pray for you. Pray for you to know this deeply in your heart. This is actually the second prayer of intercession in the Ephesians so far. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. Every family gets its name from God. He's, he's like mind blown. It's a revolution. And the way that this is, if you can hit the next slide the way that this is um, uh, the way that this is uh, shaped formed. Um, I call it a progressive prayer. So there's a progressive prayer in four stages. And the four stages are intercession, or indwelling, uh, rooted and established in our love, the knowledge of the love of Christ, and four, to be filled with the fullness of God. So the first one, indwelling. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, with the power through his spirit in your inner being. Um, There are two words in the Greek that mean indwelling, that he may live in you, that his his power would be in you. Um, And those are paraoiko, once again, the oikas, the household. And if you remember, paraoiko, he used (laughs) to describe aliens. So that word is is kind of a weaker word. It means someone who's kind of a guest in in a country or a guest in a household. And the word he uses here is kataoikeo, which means the Lord of the household, that he would come into you, indwell you, as the Lord of your household, of your inner life, of your inner being, that God would live as the master in your household. Then, he talks about their love, right? That you would be rooted and established in love. And at first I was uh, thinking that this was rooted and established in Christ's love or God's love. But he's talking about rooted and established in your love for one another and your love for God. My prayer is that you would be rooted, that you would love each other and that you would love God. And in loving one another and loving God, the next, kind of the next progressive part of the prayer is that you would know the love of Christ, right? That sometimes we don't fully know or understand the love of Christ outside of first loving one another, right? When we love each other, we can know more fully the love of Christ. So he's saying, be rooted and established in the family love. Love for God, love for one another. And you'll see in rooted and established that these are two metaphors. One is organic, being rooted like a tree. And the other is architectural or has to do with a building metaphor. right? Being established or being founded like upon a foundation. Being rooted and founded. So essentially he's saying that, you, that love would be the soil, your love for each other would be the soil uh, for believers, right? That believers are rooted in and the foundation by which we're built upon, right? Stick your roots in the soil and build be built up on the foundation of love. The third stage should know the love of Christ, how wide and long and high and deep, right? That you would know the dimensions of Christ's love. And he's almost he almost undercuts himself because he says, though it surpasses all knowledge. I pray that you would know Christ's love, though Christ's love surpasses all knowledge. What's he talking about? And I kind of, I kind of think of it like this. We know we can imagine the dimensions of the universe, right? It's infinite. It goes on and on and on. But we cannot know or experience every inch of that universe. Does that make sense? We can imagine, we can come we can approach the immensity of the universe, but we cannot know the corners of that universe. Amen. Yeah. We comprehend the infinite size of the universe, but we'll never see it. We need to be we need to be in the manifold wisdom of God. And we are now, oh, we are in the now and not yet, right? So we can know, we can know of God's infinite manifold wisdom and love, his multi-colored, multi love. We can know that it's infinite. We can know that it's dimensions, but we will not fully experience that. We will not fully know that until we love every single person in the world, if that makes sense. Right? And so our experiences are limited. I, when I was young, I only knew a certain kind of people. I knew a certain geography of people. When I got to college, I met a whole different type of people, and more a variety of people, and a diversity of people. And now that I'm an adult, I see, I've come across more and more people. And as we have more and more relationships, our knowledge of the infinite love of Christ Expands, right? Because our experience of loving people expands in the diversity of people we meet. That's what he's saying. I pray that you would know the love of Christ, but you can't fully know it until you live longer. So it's both the here and not yet. Woo! I didn't know it was this late. And the fourth, I'll go faster. Maybe I shouldn't have done the readout. I'll go faster. The fourth. Uh, and that you would be filled with the fullness of God. This is aspirational. It's the, same, it's the same kind of concept. In Christ, we are in the fullness of God and yet we are still growing into His fullness. As a church, we are still being built up. Though we are founded on the fullness of God and Christ, we are still growing into the fullness of God's glory. right? We experience this fullness, yet there is so much more. There is infinite moreness, right? We can be diverse and have multicolored be an expression of multicolored wisdom of God, but there's still yet more that we can bring into our community. That we more uh, gifts that people can bring to us that we don't know yet. So in that way, we are in the fullness and we can know the fullness of God, but we are continuing to grow into the fullness until the end of time, right? When every nation, tribe, tongue, and nation is giving glory to God. Amen? I think this is beautiful basically because God is, or Paul is saying, our parent is rich. Like can you imagine if you got, your parents died and you got adopted as a foster child into a new family right and there are other kids that were adopted into the family and they were like oh did you know our daddy's rich our parents are rich right and you can get everything you want and this is this is what Paul is saying is it's immeasurable the riches of God's grace is immeasurable and we as a family are inheritors of that we have the credit card we can call upon the Holy Spirit, right? What can you ask in prayer? What can you even imagine? Our God's power is immeasurably more than you can even ask or imagine. You know, sometimes I get in fights with my wife, and I'm like, what is this thing in my heart? I can't get rid of it. That Bad, David, bad, David, bad. Like it's like, ah! it's like out of control. Like, I know it's not good. I know it's gonna mess up our relationship. I know there's gonna be tension and conflict. But I still, it's still there. I still feed it sometimes. And it's like, ah! right? Can I imagine a life, our heart, where God redeems that and takes that away? God can do even more than what I can. do. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your imme- immeasurable riches, the glorious riches that you've given to us in Christ Jesus, that we are part of your family, that we carry your name, and that you are creating a people for yourself that is subverting um, what the world is telling us um, is the way that we should be. Help us to draw from your well in prayer, in our dreams, as a community, that as a church, we can be a part of being renewed by you and restored by you, uh, and part of your mission being sent uh, to restore the world. In your name we pray.